Hi Nadia, hi Animikin. Good morning, Vincent. Hi Vincent. How are you doing today? Really Wonderful. Good. Glad to be here. This week, I would like to introduce you not to one guest, but two guests, Nadia Talpert and Annemieke von Riepingen. They are both seasoned coaching professionals. We will talk in length about leadership development, about the book they have just launched, about one of their very interesting working methods, horse-assisted coaching. They will tell us more about this powerful approach. All along the discussion, you will benefit from a lot of good advice to improve leadership and teamwork. Welcome to the Better Teams Podcast. Welcome to a new episode of the Better Teams Podcast. Vincent here, I am product manager at Antivals, a consultancy company helping you building better teams through training sessions, workshops, coaching, and interim management. You can find everything we do on our website, antivals.com. Thank you for listening to the Better Teams Podcast. Let's join Animiekin and Nadia now. I thought like to start with, I would do some kind of a little bit of a cross presentation of you two. So Nadia, how would you present Anamika to our listeners? Well, Anamika has a, a very particular background, a very diverse because she's practicing medicine. She's an MD as well as a psychologist. And next to that, she's actually recognized internationally as a uh, horse assisted trainer and coach. And she has her own business uh, by the name of Kivik. Animikin, to play the game as well. How would you present Nadia? Nadia is a very dynamic woman who's been working in many different settings. Her background is mainly business-wise. She's been working in HR. She's been leading teams. At this point, she's an independent executive leadership coach, and she has her own company, which is called Notice the Difference. And she's been working with leaders for years, And since a few years, she added horse-assisted coaching to her practice. This podcast, of course, is about building better teams. Uh, and I would be curious to know more about how you met and why you believe you're making such a good duo together. I feel great about our cooperation because I think we are very complementary. We have a very different background and that makes it very interesting to work together because we have a lot of common ground as well where we can find each other. There's a lot of respect for each other, a lot of space for each other's opinions, each other's vision. And um, we also love to challenge each other out of curiosity. Yeah, I think that's uh, the main ingredients for us uh, in collaborating together. It's been a piece of cake, actually. Writing the book was a lot of work, but it also gave us a lot of energy because in synchronizing and working together, we found each other. We had very good discussions, fruitful discussions, and we always got on the same baseline again so uh, it was a really great experience as such so okay respect space for challenging and, and having your own vision together that's interesting elements for uh, for teamwork if you could add anything what is important for you in teamwork actually and maybe this question is already an invitation to consider it in a more uh, a broader dimension is teamwork for you and and what you value in teamwork in general what can make teamwork successful we both had as Anamika already stated a very open open mindset for each other's views, for each other's ideas. We showed up as we genuinely are with our talents. We're, we're not afraid to shine. And on the other hand, we play a little together to see where it actually all comes together. For me, it's about open mindset. It's about showing yourself 
your talents and daring to be clear as to what you want and what you need in the partnership. I agree totally. I think there's one other element I, I would like to add, and that's about vulnerability. I think what we also did for each other, I think that's very important in teamwork in general also. You already pointed out a little bit, Nadia, when you said we, we show up as we are with our talents, but also with everything that we have trouble with, the things we struggle with, with, with the things that are um, difficult in certain moments. And that was also something we could share where we could support each other. There was room for that too. And I think that was very important in our cooperation and in teamwork in general. It's the total picture, actually. Absolutely. Of who you are and to be able to be that person and to be who you are as a part of a team. You have a major thing going on right now. And actually, uh, Nadia, you talked about it already. After two and a half years of hard work and, of course, a lot more years of passion and practice, you are launching a book. And I think it's great. And that's one of the main reasons I'm particularly happy to have you today. I know what an endeavor it is to write. I mean, I never wrote a book myself, but I used to be a literature teacher. So it's a major thing. Uh, so congratulations uh, for that. In this book, you explain the great value and the great power of horse-assisted coaching. And Nadia, you already said that uh, this is what Animika is doing as well, horse-assisted coaching particularly. So I wanted to know what motivated this book? What's at the heart of this book? At the heart of this book is a mission to want to share with a much broader audience what horses can teach us about leadership. We experience that on a day-to-day -day basis. Clients who come and meet us with the horses experience it right away. And it's just something that we want to spread to the world because it's so strong. So it's not only about people leading their teams, it's not only about leadership in companies, but it's also about the way you live your personal life. And since leadership is the common denominator of everything that we do in life, we thought it worthwhile to write a book about that subject in particular. It's been um, many years now that I've been working with people and Nadia also with people um, around different topics. But the red wire, the common ground in all these sessions, I would say, is leadership. It could be your own life, but also towards other people. So that's why it was particularly interesting for us to write around that specific topic. Why did you decide to work with horses in particular? Why not dogs? I mean, people assume many times that dogs are the best friends of men, so it's easy. So why horses? I think the biggest difference between horses and dogs is that horses are not pleasers. They will not do something for you because uh, they want to please you. While dogs are, they are pleasers. They like to please their owners, their, the people that they are with. But horses don't. They just need it to fit for them. It needs to, they have to have confidence in you, in your leadership. And then they will do stuff or come with you or interact in a way that you are asking from them. Besides the fact, of course, that they are very sensitive, but that's something that goes for dogs as well, or, or many animals. Of course, that's a quality that we use uh, a lot in the coaching sessions because they sense what is going on inside uh, people and they sense what is going on between people. So that makes them very interesting to work with teams also. And since they don't have a urge to please, they give you instant, authentic honest feedback it's right in your face i guess it can also confront you to yourself in a way if it doesn't work i mean you're like well what did i do what did i miss here and that's a great learning opportunity of course because if it doesn't work the horse won't judge you either so yeah. it will just let you start all over again if your intentions are 
right, if your intentions are uh, pure, then you can start over as many times as you want. They will give you the same honest chance again. If we kind of elaborate on that, since we talk about feedback here, from what you just told me, from what you've learned over the years of experimenting with it, what would be key for feedback actually? Well, feedback for me has to be clear. It has to be instantaneous in the moment. It has to be very authentic and from the heart. People have to know where they stand. Since the horse is not directly speaking to you or judging you, is never telling you directly, oh, this you're doing it wrong or do that. I mean, it's not that assertive. They will tell you what you're doing wrong by yeah. not responding to your question or your demand, but they will not tell you how to do it. That mm. is something that you have to find out yourself. But you can try and try again and try all over again. So yeah. that's the, the biggest opportunity there is your learning opportunity. It gives you a chance to reassess and to reflect and then yes. develop your, a better way for you and for the horse to go together. And also, I think the fact that they give this direct and open feedback, it's, as you say, it's not judgmental. So it actually tells you what the effect is of what you're doing, of how you're feeling, of what your intention is. And it might be different from what you expected or what you wanted. But that's, uh, as, as Nadia said, a learning opportunity. Then you can go and look inside and, and look at your behavior and see what should I change? What can I do now to have the effect that I was aiming for instead of what I'm getting now? No, plus if you keep on doing the same mistake over and over again, I guess you have the same result. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's interesting. How does it work, actually? Because we talk about horse-assisted coaching. You wrote a book about it, but for people who never heard of it and, I mean, can picture a horse, I guess, but uh, how the whole, how is it working, the whole process? We put people in interaction with the horses. Everything happens on the ground. We, um, we do have colleagues who mount horses, but we don't because we want the horse to be free to give the feedback that, that is necessary in the moment. And uh, if you're on their back, it's a bit limited. Plus, there are a lot of technical aspects that come with that. So we choose to work on the ground, which gives um, the horse all the space and also people all the space to really interact with each other in, in, in a way that they are authentic to. And then we give them assignments. It could be very simple one from observing the horses to taking them from one point to another, to going through a course. And, and there are exercises where people have a horse on a lead rope or exercise where the horse is, is free without um, lead rope or halter. It really depends on the team that we are working around and the people that we are working with. But we always work with that triad. You have the coachee, you have the horse, and then there's us, of course. Our role is to actually feed back on the, our observations. So what we see, what we hear, uh, what we observe, and then let it sink in with the coachee and, and find out what it does to him or her, what it uh, results to, uh, what reflections come up and what insights come up. And make the parallel with daily life. Do you think that makes the learning process more uh, like deeper uh, and more concrete to relate to really uh, um, precise life situations? Exactly. Absolutely. Because um, actually the coachees very often put so much out of their comfort zone that uh, there is also an emotional component in the experience, which leads to much deeper anchoring of the entire experience. So that after a couple of years, we still meet people who were maybe in the piece with us for, for 10 minutes, and they still remember the moment and they still have their lessons learned from that particular moment. So it's very strong. We talk about the coaches here, and I'm curious to know who is that coachee? I mean, to whom will 
this uh, particular practice that you have, to whom would it be useful? And what kind of topics, what kind of issues do you typically address in these sessions? Well, um, actually, anybody with an open mindset uh, and looking for self-development is very welcome and can benefit from horse-assisted coaching. We work both with teams as with individuals. Uh, topics are very, very broad. It can be on leadership, on delegation, on feedback, on self-confidence, but also on stress-related uh, topics and, and burnout. How do you prevent it? What do you do? Uh, set boundaries. Um, how do you do that? What is difficult there and what is there to learn for you so that the the topics are i would say almost um endless of course in the book where because we're, we're also talking about the book the focus is leadership and and as we said it's the red wire through everything to with all the people that we work with regardless of the topic actually in the book we are being a little bit more specific in this leadership topic in that way that we are uh, addressing ourselves to people who are also leading others um, who are really in a leadership position yes actually it's both leading yourself and leading other people. The way you interact with yourself is very important, but also the way you interact with other people. Yes. That is, so it's a complete systemic approach. Exactly. For you to uh, lead other people in, a, in an efficient and, and authentic way, you need to, to be the leader of your own life. So it's very tied together. Nadia, you just said that it's almost infinite possibilities. And I remember two weeks ago when we discussed together, you told me that uh, sometimes a coach is coming for a topic, but then you can see there is another problem here going on. And, and sometimes you can stop the session because there's something else that they have to talk about. Since the horse can feel what's going on and, and can uh, determine that there is maybe another thing, putting pressure or, or changing the mood in the session, you can really change it. And you will most probably target on what's really going on more than what the people is precisely coming for. Yeah, sometimes the agenda changes during the session. We can have a purpose for the session and even we can set an agenda in advance. But as coaches, it's very important for us to deal with not knowing and with whatever uh, comes to, to pop up. So what is important is that we keep an open mind as well to whatever is happening uh, at that moment and uh, to work with it and then to feed it back to the coachee and check what should be the purpose and if we should maybe readdress that. What is particular about working with horses is that they will meet you where you are and take you just one little step further. But sometimes we as people, we think that this should be the topic where actually something else is playing, underlying, that is much more dominant and should be addressed first. So it may differ from what you're expecting, but it will always be authentic and it will always bring you closer to who you are create awareness around that you're listening to the better teams podcast thank you we hope you enjoy it feel free to follow our facebook page better teams podcast to ask us questions and discuss these episodes or previous ones with fellow listeners now let's go back to our conversation if I were to ask a simple question, if I, if I wanted to try and I were going to ask you what's in it for me, what benefits can I expect from such a session, what would you tell me or what would you tell people? It really connects to what Nadia was just saying. It's about getting more connection with yourself, really becoming more who you actually are. In my experience, that's what creates happiness. When you can live a, a life in an authentic way, be who you are. And from that, be in a context that really honors and, and supports that. 
creates happiness, creates well-being, creates health. It makes you a better person for yourself and for your environment. And that's exactly what, where horses are the best partners you can imagine. And after the session, how do you ensure long-lasting effects on the coachee and make it work for a longer time? Well, um, the, the really great thing about this methodology, the, this horse-assisted coaching, is that it is long-lasting in itself. As, as Nadia was already saying, these experiences, these interactions with the horses stay with people for a lifetime. I mean, they never forget about what happened between them and the horses. And that's because it really plays on different levels. You have the, the actual doing, the experience. It goes to an emotional level. And of course, um, the knowing, the, the mental level is there too. And I think it's because it, it works on those, all those levels that it sticks that much to, to a person. And then of course, for us as, as coaches, it's really important to connect the dots for people. That's what we do when we work with them. We really, um, something happens and then we help them to connect the dots with what is happening in real life or work. And um, maybe with what happened in a session before, so that they can really see uh, with us the pattern that is developing and that is being exposed and that, that is changing also while doing that. Yeah, there are a lot of studies also talking about how it's important to link learning to the body. Like the, it's rooted into the body. So I guess it, it must be really powerful. And, mm -hmm. and if you can make the bridge uh, or help the coachee make sense about like everything that happened, it gives more freedom for just uh, being in the present moment for the coachee. I guess yes. it doesn't have to worry about what's happening. Do you have nice examples to share of nice moments of coaching uh, with horses and people? We have a lot of examples, but... Um, the book is full of it. Yeah. <laughs> True. Exactly. But yeah. I mean, what I haven't said yet, the book for now, is, it's only in Dutch. I mean, it's already great, huh? but it's just in Dutch. It might be in English maybe at some point. I mean, you're trying hard to, to do that. Um, Investigating but, uh, that. Yes. But if, for people who cannot read the book, uh, what if you wanted to share a few nice examples? There's one example I'm, I'm, that pops up in my mind at this point, and it was um, this um, uh, CEO of a, of a company, and um, he was um, participating in a leadership program, and we were working together for a, a day. And at the beginning of this day, he was trying to move the horse. Um, he had a, the lead rope um, in his hand, and um, he was trying to move forward with uh, Bronte, one of our horses, and she just wouldn't move. She wouldn't take one step ahead. So he, he was standing there getting pretty frustrated. So we talked about that, and the main um, reason that they, they were not able to move was that all his attention went to the horse. He was well connected to the horse, which was really a nice quality, but that in itself is not enough. Um, because if you only put attention to the horse, it's like you say to this horse, go ahead, you can tell what we are doing. You are giving away the leadership to that horse. And there was no connection to himself, with himself. And um, he was really not making clear what he wanted from the horse. He was just connecting with her. He didn't realize that, but as we talked about it, it, it became clear to him. So the next exercise we did was um, he was blindfolded and he had one person beside him that would be his eyes, that would guide him uh, through the course. So he's, again, he's trying to move and again, they're not moving one inch. He's getting uh, frustrated and he says like, but this, this is even more complicated. Now I have to connect with the horse and I have to connect with this person. And then there's one person who is um, standing at the side. There's a group of people watching the exercise. And one of them says, yeah, but what about connecting to yourself? What if you did that first? And then he goes like, oh, okay, yes. And he's silent for a moment. And all of a sudden they move. They just go along. That was the point where he 
actually connected with himself. He did what was suggested there. And then the closure of the day, we did an exercise with the whole team where they, they had to uh, guide the horses through a course, but this time without a lead rope. And at one point, Karel, the, the name of the guy, he walks in the arena and all of a sudden we see the two horses, because there were two horses present, two horses follow him without a lead rope and just, you know, going along with him, doing the whole course on its own with the two horses. And he's like, wow, this is incredible. I can feel it. I can go on forever. This is so energizing. <laughs> <laughs> a very uh, powerful example, indeed. Only last week we were uh, being interviewed by a journalist and she said, oh, I want to try this too. So can I lead the horse through a, a trajectory? Um, he said, yeah, sure. We coached her as if she would be a client and Anamiki gave her some feedback afterwards about uh, just observations, um, how she held the rope, how she guided the horse, um, what she did, uh, what the reaction of the horse was at that point in time. Anamika asked, well, can you relate to that? And the journalist said, whoa, this is like major because yes, this is who I am. This is how I act on a day-to-day -day basis. And she was really impressed. There's really a, a high capacity of revealing uh, how people behave and, and revealing things that sometimes they don't even see themselves, actually. Absolutely. And that was an exercise that took five minutes or something. Which is effective indeed. <laughs> um, actually, it brings us back to emotions uh, and especially emotions in a working context. I mean, it doesn't go along necessarily well together uh, for many people. What can we do with these emotions? What do you think we should be really careful about these emotions, especially as the way we lead? Not necessarily people, but also ourselves. Well, I think there are um, three different ways of dealing with emotions. And one of them is um, trying to tuck them away, pretend that they are not there. And this is uh, something that a lot of a lot of people tend to do, especially if the emotion is perceived as negative, like anger or sadness or frustration. Another way to deal with it is to express it. You're angry and you shout, for example. And I think those two ways are not the most effective ways to deal with emotions. They don't solve anything. On the contrary, they might create other problems. There is a third way that we work with in our uh, trainings, and that is to look for the message behind the emotion, because the emotion is there for a reason. There is something that triggers the emotion, um, something that needs your attention, and the emotion can give you extra information about what is going on and how you can deal with the situation. Um, let me give you a, a simple example. Like if you feel angry, a lot of times there is a boundary that is being crossed. It could be you yourself that are crossing your own boundaries or it could be come from the outside. Someone else is crossing your boundaries. So the, the question you need to ask yourself when you feel angry and it can be a little bit like being annoyed or it can go, of course, higher than, than that. The question you need to ask yourself is which boundary is being crossed here? And that's one question. The second question that is even more important is how can I restore this boundary? Because if you do that, the anger goes away. Problem is solved. And this is a way that you can deal with every emotion. And if you can do that, you can do that for yourself and you can do that for other people. If you're leading a team, for example, and you can observe an emotion in one of your team members and you can deal with that emotion in that way, help them to find out what is the message behind what you're experiencing now. This can be very constructive, especially in corporations and in working together because it reveals important things that are going on. If you don't, you will leave the elephant in the room. 
And in the end, it will destroy a lot of interactions that could have been constructive if you would have dealt with them in a good way. That's why I talk about emotional heroism, because mm. it's not an easy thing to do. You need to really um, be able to look at it. You can't let the emotion take you away. Like if you are angry, you cannot be drawn into whatever action that would be very uh, impulsive for example you need to step back a little bit you need to take some distance not distancing from the emotion but really looking into it it's something that we are not used to do but that is really constructive and um, can take you much further if you don't yeah not only are we not used to do that but it's not expected from heroes in the in traditional literature and, and movies and which is why i really liked emotional heroism mm -hmm. and i loved it because it sounds like an oxymoron like a contradiction uh, yes. if you are a hero you don't fear anything you don't have feelings you don't cry you don't panic you you, you know you, you're yeah. this stoic posture so i really like that that actually being a hero is about dealing with your emotion and, and working with them exactly yes. furthermore it takes all the more courage to be able to create awareness around emotions be it your own emotions or the emotions of your team members and to be able to talk about it discuss it in a constructive way and find out what needs to be done to take the fuse out of the uh, explosion yeah right? Your passion really is about leadership development. And again, we said not necessarily team leadership, but also the way you lead yourself, the way you lead other people, leadership in general. I was wondering, and maybe you've, you have answered that already, but I was wondering uh, if you have a special instinct to decide whether you should suggest horses to people or special cases. And you say, okay, this, this case should be better with horse or this person no horse at all. It's, it's, not, it's not meant for this person. Because I know horse-assisted coaching is one of the methods. And maybe, I mean, Nadia, you work with other methods. Uh, Anamika, it's your preferred method, I think. Uh, so how do you decide? What's, what's the place for this method in your working life, in life in general? And how do you decide to use it or not? Well, that depends very much on the situation. Well, first and foremost, of course, I always uh, ask the, the coachee, whether or not he or she would be open to horse-assisted coaching. Last, I had a conversation with the coachee and he said, I'm sorry, but I'm very allergic to horses. So it's an absolute no-go. All right, that's the end of that story, of course. But if they're open-minded uh, and they have no allergies or any other obstacle as to why not to do it, I check what it could bring them, actually. Uh, and I I have a very typical example. It was even be from before I had my own horse. There was a guy who was very much into his head and he was very intelligent. And to every question that I asked him, he had a rational explanation. And he turned everything mentally so that it would fit to his perspective of the world, his look on what was going on. So I realized that if I wanted to reach him and meet him really heart to heart, it would not go through conversation. It would need another intervention met. And then I actually went to somebody who did uh, horse-assisted coaching. And within the first half hour, we already got a breakthrough. It was only one session with the horse. But then afterwards, in the debriefing with uh, his CEO present and with his HR business partner present, they both said, well, I don't know what you did, but something shifted there. I had sustainably changed something in the way he was interacting with his colleagues. So it, it was very fruitful. Animika, do you want to add something to that? I think that's, uh, that's the main thing. It, it, it really comes down to if we need more than words to get through, if we need to work on a different level than just the mental level, um, then this 
methodology is really very efficient and very quick to go through the heart of things. Um, I've been, it's now uh, the 11th year that I'm working with the horses. Before that, I did um, coaching in the traditional way, let's say, without the horses. And um, as you mentioned, my preferred method is the horses now because we are so much quicker, so much more efficient if, um, if, if we can do it with them. Of course, people need to be ready to do that too. I mean, if, if you have someone who's really like, no, 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 horses, that's, that's really not my thing. I don't want to be with horses. It's, then it's, it's a no-go. You, you really need a little bit of an open mind to, to be able to, to start this work. Curiosity is enough. I mean, once you have a start, you can, you can go. But um, if, that, that's, if there's really a, a lot of resistance, then, then it's a no-go. It's better to, to not work with them. By the way, allergy is indeed a problem. As a, but as a physician, I have a, a good answer to that. It's really funny, <laughs> funny because sometimes I do trainings for another coach who works with leaders, and I do one half day in his program to work with the horses and um, a lot of times he calls me up front and said can you bring your magic pills because again I have someone who's allergic to horses so <laughs> please save us <laughs> and I, I give them uh, an anti-histaminicum which really works well and uh, we can go <laughs> so actually no excuse anymore <laughs> exactly. if you really there are no excuses to. no excuse allergy is not an excuse okay. allergy is not an excuse <laughs> good to know what would be fundamental elements for you uh, regarding leadership development, uh, defining leadership development? Well, I think we can summarize them with the formula that we uh, explain in our book. For us, leadership is all about being able to connect to yourself, to your inner uh, source of wisdom. And then from that connection, uh, from that awareness of what is going on inside of you, what is your own, connecting to others and meeting them really as they are. Of course, you need a vision as a leader, uh, whether it's leadership of your own life or leadership of a team, you always need to have a purpose so you need to be clear on your vision where are we going and the last but certainly not least it's about creating movement it's about creating movement and keeping the movement going so for us those are fundamental elements uh, that we explain in our book we yeah. summarize it as connection to the second times vision times movement is leadership if I were to give you the final say, who do you want to send a message to? I think at this point with the book that we wrote, we would love to say to all the leaders of the world, whether you lead a big organization or a small organization, whether it's profit or non-profit, come and experience the power of what the horses have to offer you. I think that's um, the main message. Nadia, you agree? You want to add something? Absolutely. I think that's uh, right on. Okay. Perfect. Animekin, Nadia, thank you so much for your time. I was really happy to talk to you today. And for you listeners out there, if you got interested in horse-assisted coaching, and I really think you should, feel free to get in touch with them directly. You can also check Nadia's website, noticethedifference.be. And if you happen to read Dutch, you can read their brand new book. I will include the link in the description of this episode. Thanks everybody for listening. If you like this podcast, uh, please give it a good review. You can also join our Better Teams podcast growing community on Facebook where you can start interacting with other fellow listeners and directly ask us questions that we can address in the next episode. Thank you for listening. See you in the next episode.